0: everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast, and we are here with Anthony DeMarco, and we're going to wrap up this series, this mini-series, that we didn't expect to go three parts, but here we are, we can can make this 12 parts, but uh, since it's WrestleMania week, we're going to be talking about the current state of WWE, there's just so much news and things that are relevant to the current topic that we need to discuss, and uh, we'll see where the conversation leads, but Anthony, welcome back to the show, you ready for WrestleMania? I'm
1: more ready for WrestleMania Raw and WrestleMania SmackDown. What about you, Matt? <laughs>
0: uh, if I could, uh, if this was not a PG show, there were some choice words there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm ready for you know normal Monday Night Raw, and normal Friday Night SmackDown because it's exactly what they are, and then I'll be ready for you know WrestleMania this weekend, and then I'll be ready for Backlash. Uh, next month because uh, there's no such thing as WrestleMania backlash. So, yeah, I'm totally ready for it, man. Uh, let, <laughs> let, let's get into it. Um, and, and you know the first thing that I want to talk about, and you did an entire episode on this, which you guys should go check it out. Uh, the career of Triple H that you covered last Friday in place of rivalries is Triple H. I mean, he was he officially retired uh, talking to Stephen A. Smith, had a nearly 30 year career. And due to his he- uh, health issues with his genetic heart disorder, which if you listen to that full interview, and I'm sure you did, uh, I mean, he was actually close to dying. I mean, he, people don't know how close he was with his heart failing and, and fluid in his lungs and everything like that. And I'd encourage everyone to go listen to it. But uh, a scary moment, but his, his career is over, and I'm not asking to rehash your entire episode, but like when you hear, heard about this, like were you shocked about this announcement from Triple H? What did you think? I mean,
1: I was more shocked about how serious it was. Uh, like, I kind of figured that that was going to be it for Triple H as far as in-ring goes. Like, it's been, I think, two years since he's been in the ring. I think his last match came out of Monday Night Raw right before WrestleMania 36 when the pandemic had just kicked up and they had just moved into the um, – what is it called now? The Capital Wrestling Center or whatever. Yeah, I think, I think so. <clears throat> And he had, like, a street fight versus Randy Orton, I think. And I remember he was in, like, jeans and a T-shirt. Like, he wasn't even in his wrestling gear. But before that, his last match was also against Randy Orton at a super showdown. I believe it was in Saudi Arabia. And he lost that match. And thinking back on it, I think him going out to Randy Orton is probably the most poetic way it could have happened. But, I mean... I was shocked about how close he was to losing his life because that's real life that really hits home. You know, like if a guy in that type of shape, that type of athlete could have it happen to him at so young, you know, I think he's 52 years old. Like it really kind of makes you reevaluate everything in your life. And as far as him as like what he meant to the business and me personally, I mean, it's no secret that I'm a huge rock fan. He's my favorite of all time, but. When I think about what wrestler had the most impact on me and who I watched the most, it's Triple H. Because by the time that I was and I said this on my show, by the time I was able to really watch wrestling on a week to week basis and really like track the storylines and absorb everything 100 percent. The Rock was already a part-timer. Like, I really started to track it to that level, I would say, in late 2003. And that was, like, peak Triple H. I know people call it the reign of terror. I thought it was a masterful job that, I would say, two, three-year run he had over on Monday Night Raw. And I just think that Triple H is a guy that was the constant in this business. I know a lot of people like to say that about The Undertaker, and that is true to a certain extent, but even The Undertaker had stretches like in 2000 um, or 99 to 2000 when he transitioned from the Dead Man into the American Badass. And then again in 2003 to 2004 when he did it in the reverse. And The Undertaker for a, a while wasn't really a main eventer per se. He always kind of had his side storylines over, um, over on SmackDown rather. But Triple H almost to a fault, and I get that, was always carrying the main event for better or for worse. I think it was five years in a row that he was featured in a world title match at a WrestleMania from 18 all the way to 22, whether that be the Undisputed or the World Heavyweight, what have you. And I just think that people overlook Triple H For the eras that he was around, and because they often just, like, tag him with, oh, he he married the boss's daughter, he got a free ride, but also because he really came up in the era of The Rock, of Stone Cold Steve Austin, of The Undertaker, and then kind of guided them through into the new era that had Batista and Cena and Orton. But I just think when you really break down his career, and even his post-in-ring career, when he became an executive, and obviously no one will ever be Vince McMahon from the Attitude era, but I do think his work as the authority figure from, let's say, 2013 to 2016, 2017 was very underrated like he was as close to a perfect facsimile to vince mcmahon that we will probably ever get in this lifetime and sure that storyline as well got beat to death with the authority and them opening every monday night raw for what seemed like 600 days straight but i still think he did good work so i just think you look at the entire body of his career given how durable he was how constant he was and just how good he was at being a baby face or a heel, arguably one of the best heels of all time. He's a guy that for me subjectively is on my Mount Rushmore.
0: There's no shame in putting Triple H on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. I think a lot of people, you know, I, I think most people, including myself have not included him on Mount Rushmore, but you make a case. I mean, most people choose Austin Hogan, rock, you know, taker, uh, whoever, Andre the giant, uh, but Triple H wh- there better be right now in production a documentary for Triple H. There better be right now something going on to the uh, to the level of the uh, Laugh- Last Ride series that they did for Undertaker, which was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's not just professional wrestling related but in general it was so well done and it was just awesome to see you know the introspective of his life and career and things you didn't see for 30 years so i hope that there is something going on for triple h and that they're interviewing people and i believe that he will actually be probably inducted into the hall of fame class of 2023 next year i think he will lead the hall of fame next year and rightfully so i think he'll be the uh the, the star of that class and And when you look back, again, it's been so long since he's been the top heel, but I remember just absolutely hating him and appreciating how much I truly hated him and not being in a cool way that sometimes you see today where you have the heel who's over, but they realize how kind of cool they are, so they still get people singing along to their music or they get people chanting along with them. As The Rock once said, it this is not you know uh, sing along with The Rock or whatever he said or this is this is uh, not story time with The Rock you know and and I think that that is something that a lot of the heels today are missing is that it's you shouldn't be a cool heel because then you're really not a heel in in a lot of ways and Triple H was the guy that elicited so much genu- genuine hatred for himself that he was I think one of the if not the you could say is the best heel of the modern era. And I you know, would Austin and Rock have been who they are without Triple H as their opponent, specifically The Rock? I mean, how many awesome yeah. confrontations did The Rock have with Triple H? You can't wrestle yourself, as they say. You need a dance partner. Triple H was the perfect dance partner for, for The Rock. And I remember back in 2015, I think it was, when yeah. they teased it at a, a I forget what episode some anniversary edition of smackdown and they started getting into it it's actually one of the funniest segments uh, that they've been in because they started out friendly like how you doing and then it just descended into okay they're serious And they teased a WrestleMania match, which apparently was supposed to happen five, six years ago that never materialized for probably whatever reason. And and that's a shame. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you and I could go on and on about Triple H's career and, and rightfully so, because it is one of the most storied and, and successful careers of all time specifically as a heel i think triple h excelled to the highest level as a heel and people don't realize or forget how damn good he could be as a heel getting you to genuinely hate him
1: well i like i said on my show but like when austin got injured in 99 the rock kind of slid into austin's role and triple h kind of slid into the rocks role as the top level heel and I often think about, well, he kind of had this like in, let's say, 2003 when Austin Rock stepped away, up until 05 when Batista and Cena really hit their stride as main eventers. But that whole period of, let's say, peak ruthless aggression, what people, when people call it the reign of terror, do you think that's an overblown narrative?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I don't view it that way at all. I mean... The the thing is, people are probably equating it to imagine if this happened today, the rain. No, no, I mean like the the thing is, the difference with the Triple H versus if something like that happened today, like Roman Reigns was shoved down our throat forever. Triple H was ready. Triple H had all the tools. Triple H was an excellent talker. He could go in the ring. He had the it factor. You know, He he was a polished performer ready for that position, where Roman Reigns was not. He had a lot of glaring weaknesses and things that were just very blatantly obvious that were just being pushed by corporate to just force him into that position when the fans were just obviously not ready. And so Triple H, though, the the reign of terror... I don't i if i'm if I'm gonna say reign of terror, I'm going to mean it in a positive way because I think that he contributed so much as a heel to the business in that role and were able to create new baby faces and and elevate the baby faces because you wanted to see someone step up and just beat the holy hell out of him that it's really something that i would I would look at that term and say it's a compliment because the reign of terror would mean that a heel. Who is just so so just genuinely disliked was champion for so long, and that to me would mean that's a positive. I I know that it's meant to be a negative, but I view that as a positive.
1: Yeah, I I also look at specifically on Monday Night Raw at that time because SmackDown had Taker and Brock and Kurt Angle and Guerrero, but. Monday Night Raw at that time, they were really struggling to find, like, a top-level baby face. And I've talked about this on Rivalries, like, countless times. And especially given the fact that HBK wasn't really interested in being, um, like, the face of the brand or anything. I believe he wrote that in his book. And it's evident because upon his return to the company in 2002, aside from his one-month reign as world champion from survivor series oh two to armageddon oh two he never won a singles championship in wwe how crazy is that what <laughs> on his second run with the really know, he, like aside from well think about it aside yeah. from him winning the world heavyweight championship at survivor series 2002 and dropping it one month later he only ever held the tag team titles
0: yeah you're oh my gosh yeah, I, I mean, there's been so many great moments that he had from '02 until his his run ended. I mean, what seven, eight years later? I just I can't believe. Yeah, you're right though. But that he, I mean, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. So and and I and I do
1: fully believe that if he said to Vince, "He's like, yeah, I'll take a run with the world title for sure," they would have done that, like a hundred percent. And then you look at the other guys that they pitted against Triple H. Let's say between him and Batista because I think once Batista showed up and Cena was doing the same thing paralleled over on SmackDown, like that's when they were really able to move on from Triple H. But like in between HBK and Batista, which was just about two years, look at the guys they tried against Triple H. Like I know everyone always talks about Booker T, but Booker T wasn't ready in 2003. I don't care what anyone says. Sure. Sure. The storyline that went with it, it was highly questionable, but in terms of the result, I don't think Booker T should have won the championship back then. Kevin Nash left in the summer of 2003. Benoit had a nice run with it, but I don't think he was ever like a surefire main eventer. It was still a nice story, of course, at that point in his career. I just don't think people remember or actually realize how scarce the talent was, specifically on the babyface side during that time in WWE. Oh,
0: well, they lost their two top mega stars. That's still the two top biggest stars of all time to this day, twenty years later. They're still searching for the next Rock in Austin, still. And and I mean, you you lose main event talent of that level, and you're going to hurt for a while. And yeah, they they were kind of in that mode, and of course Brock Lesnar stepped in for a a couple of years before he went off to uh, the Vikings, and we all know the story there, but um, yeah, so all right, well let's get back to the oh man, I'm going down a nostalgic path but let's talk about the current product here uh, because there is just still so much to discuss, and I'm sure you've heard about the rumors with Cody Rhodes Uh, I mean, that, that is the worst kept secret in WWE right now of all time, even last week on Raw, Seth Rollins' acknowledged the the uh, chicago crowd i believe they were in chicago uh and he acknowledged the crowd and uh because they were chanting cody cody and he said uh you know i don't listen to rumors and it's like wow okay he actually acknowledged it but it seems as if and again i haven't seen a lick of monday Night raw tonight i have no idea what's happened yet so they could be already revealing it or, or building to that point but do you, I'm sure you've heard the rumors, number one. That's not even the question. Number two is, do you uh, do you think that Cody Rhodes will actually be the opponent for Seth Rollins at WrestleMania? Or do you think it'll be still at WrestleMania and Seth, quote-unquote, doesn't have a path to WrestleMania and Cody shows up to interrupt Seth or something? How do you think this all plays out? See, that's the tricky part. I do think some
1: way it will lead to Cody and Seth having a face-off at WrestleMania, I just don't know if it's going to be a booked match, if Seth is going to try and hijack WrestleMania in the middle of it. I think that maybe because they love to kind of swerve everyone, they'll just have Cody show up that night on WrestleMania. Like, I could really see that being the plan of Vince. And the other thing is, is that if it isn't an actual planned match, And Because I I assume even if Cody shows up on WrestleMania to confront him, they will have, like, a spur-of-the-moment match, and it will happen, and Cody will probably win. And that's why I think it's better that if they go into it unplanned, because Seth hasn't out that way. Because if he—well, like, I'll ask you. If they do have a match, there's no way that Cody loses, right? I
0: I mean— No, I mean, in a normal world, no, but sometimes Vince swerves just to swerve. I think that'd be a really bad decision. Yeah, no. And and that's the thing that kind of scares me a
1: bit with this is because, you know, we've come on here, we've praised Seth. I think we did a what if on what if he had won the WWE championship back in October, November, whatever. And I still think that he's a top five wrestler in the company today. I still think that he could be more than that if they really give him a shot. But I worry with Seth right now is that over the last two, two and a half years, he's really started to stockpile the losses of like a big momentum, not to use the cliche, but like big, meaningful victories that could give you momentum. Like the last two WrestleManias he's lost against Kevin Owens and Cesaro, respectively. He lost his program with Edge, which I really thought was bad booking. But, you know, it was Edge, so I let it pass he never got his hands on the WWE championship in the fall and earlier in the winter. And, you know, he loses to Kevin Owens recently in the match to see who would host the, the talk show for stone cold, Steve Austin, Roman Reigns. So while like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Roman Reigns, of course. And even there, they tried to protect him a bit. So, but even at that, I think that that only goes so far. So while I am excited for this Cody Rhodes thing, and I know that's not exactly what you asked, but like, I do think they'll come face to face. I do think it'll be kind of a surprise. I do think Seth is going to lose. I'm just very scared that they're going to stockpile so many losses for Seth, and it's been so long now that they're just doing indirect damage to him.
0: Now that you, if you line up all those losses and you do think about them, they are pretty damaging. And and we've made the claim here. I hell, I've made it all. You know, most of the time is that. Wins and losses usually don't hurt because in wins and losses, both the winner and loser should be elevated. But that said, when you do lose so many high-profile matches and you build somebody up to be believable that they could win and they continue to lose those huge matchups and those rivalries, then they eventually chip away at the At the actual character itself, and we are at that point with Seth, and now that you kind of make that case, I think that we could already be there, if not, we've already passed that point. That said, it's still, I think, a testament to Seth Rollins himself, the pure talent that he possesses, and some credit to Booking. That even with all those losses, we are still talking about him deserving to be WWE champion, deserving to be in the main event, still feeling like a top star, still angry that he's not in the main event of WrestleMania. Still, I mean, like all these massive losses do hurt, but the fact that he's able to partially overcome it with all the talent that he has and booking again, I hate giving them credit, but you got to give it when it's due. They do find ways to make it as limited as possible with the damage. So with that said though, yeah, I mean, I I don't see, I don't foresee this program, this program that hasn't happened yet with Cody going in the favor of Seth. I mean, especially Cody debuting on the roster, getting a mega pop. I do, I do wonder how big the pop's going to be. Even if he debuts tonight on raw or or has already debuted. Um, I I wonder how the crowd's going to react. I would imagine very, very hot for Cody Rhodes, and you know, coming from AEW, um, I, I I just I'm very careful. I'm, I am a little bit fearful for Seth because I don't foresee him even in a multi-match rivalry with Cody, two, three, four matches, that Seth is going to come out on top here. I, I just don't see it, and he is probably in line for another major loss when it comes to uh, a, a big-time showcase rivalry. So, and the, and
1: this. This is why I, like i was lobbying for it so much and you were as well we were kind of in lockstep that i really thought that he should have gone in to wrestlemania as the wwe champion i thought that it was imperative to re his character as a main eventer and the thing is is like yeah he has the cloud and he has the history and he has the accolades but that only takes you so far. Like, after, after a certain point, it's like, what have you done for me lately? And when's the last time Seth held a singles championship? Was it the universal championship that he dropped to the Fiend in Saudi Arabia in October of 2019? Like, for me, like, I just think that at a certain point, you need tangible evidence and not just someone being really good at their character to legitimize them. It's the same thing as why when they bring in a guy that they're really trying to like make look good in the long run, he has a bunch of squash matches. Like I mean they're trying to do that with Almas right now, but I remember when they did that with Braun Strowman for like the first three months on Monday Night Raw when they initially split him from the brand split. Uh during the brand split rather. And obviously it's apples to oranges into where Seth is at, at his career. But after a certain point, just saying the name Seth Rollins and everyone's being like, oh, yeah, Seth, he's he's one of the best in the company. But when you really break it down and you look at it from like a script point of view, and I hate saying that, but I just for lack of better words, you look at the character and you're just like, well, he's lost every big match and program that he's had in the better part of two years now, if not a bit more. Like, since he, like, and it all—it almost seems poetic here, but since that Hell in a Cell match against The Fiend in 2019, oh, it God, has just please. been downhill.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that moment, that moment still, three years later nearly, is still the moment when things just completely fell off for Seth. Completely off the rails. That and it, it's no fault of Seth's, of course. That of course. one is one hundred percent on creative booking. Vince, that had nothing to do with the effort of both men. That was a creative disaster, a creative nightmare. No pun intended for both competitors. And you know, look, you you know, you you do bring up the point about Seth Rollins and his major losses, and he you know, you need evidence. And I, I agree that what's done is done. The damage of, over the last two years and the major losses that have stacked up have hurt. The only redeeming quality that he can rely on right now and that booking can rely on is the fact that, number one, Seth is ultra-talented, as I said. Number two, it won't take long to to make the fans forget about those losses because with Seth Rollins' pedigree, I guess pun intended, with his uh, with his history, with everything that he's achieved, as, as we talked about, I think that they could do a lot of repair very quickly because he's an established star. It would just take, I think, a couple of months of him going on an absolute tear, finding a new level of, of, of violence, and just being and looking unbeatable for us to... Uh, just look at this as a, a reinvented, a reborn Seth Rollins, and he's found his voice. He's found his character finally. He, f- he found the balance of this kind of messiah slash uh, the, the burn it down man. Like he's found that weird kind of uh, th- that, that that kind of hybrid version of himself that really works. He's got it. It just now is going to take a little bit of creative behind him to erase the memory. Of the last few years of just devastating losses after devastating loss for his credibility as a heel, of, of just going on a tear, getting major victories after WrestleMania, I'm assuming he loses the, the Cody program. So beyond that, um, it, it's going to take a little time, but it won't take too long because very quickly we will forget about these losses if they do an X, ex- if they put some effort in and just make him look like this violent, just something has snapped inside of Seth Rollins kind of guy i really don't think it would take long to do uh, some some kind of damage control and get him back on track i don't think he's a lost soul by any means you know i, I just I, I think it could easily be done to repair him i do
1: oh oh yeah 100 percent. like i still think and the thing is is that like even during his broken skull sessions uh, interview like he just seems like a genuinely like good guy And he seems like he really works his ass off. Like, he's obviously arguably the best guy in the ring. He seems to have fixed some of his dangerous tendencies that he had earlier in his career. I love Seth Rollins. Like, he's probably been my favorite. Aside from AJ Styles, AJ Styles is probably like my favorite, like, in terms of current wrestlers. But I love how much Seth goes, you know balls deep into a character and he just goes two feet in dives headfirst into it whatever analogy you want to use he just does whatever is asked of him and you know even when he's having a program against ray mysterio which i absolutely thought was so beneath him he still was a hundred percent invested in, into it so it would not take me long to get back on the seth rollins bandwagon but the thing is and to be fair i'm still kind of on it But the thing is, is that, like, they have to do it soon and they have to get to it eventually. I thought that they were doing that when they sent him to Raw. I thought the reason they sent him to Raw was to get him out of the shadow of Roman Reigns. Like, when he was over on SmackDown in 2021, you know, I thought he was doing a great job over there, but he was always playing second fiddle to Roman Reigns. And I thought him going to Raw was to really, like, become the face of Raw and you would have, like the two faces of the company obviously Brock coming back and then going ahead with the stupidity of a unification match is a whole other can of worms that I'm sure we'll eventually get into. But I just thought that they had a real opportunity here. Obviously, I don't know how long the Cody Rhodes signing has been in the works, but a Seth versus Cody Rhodes match for the WWE championship at WrestleMania, it probably seems like it would have been ideal but obviously, I don't know how long Cody Rhodes has been in their plans, so I'll give them a pass for that. But I still just strongly believe that he had to go into this WrestleMania as the WWE champion, even if that was against Big E, who I still or whoever, Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles. Like I think AJ Styles for Seth for the WWE championship would have been a fantastic Um uh, WWE championship match for WrestleMania. I don't know about you. Maybe you could give your thoughts on that, but I I just think that they could have done a lot more with Seth here and they didn't have to hijack the WWE championship and the raw main event. I know Brock and Roman are supposed to be on raw tonight, but they've essentially been a SmackDown program through and through. I, they've, they hijacked the raw main event when they had the perfect guy in Seth Rollins to do that.
0: Oh, well, you talk about an AJ Styles and Seth Rollins matchup. I mean, we saw that on Raw what a couple of weeks ago, and it was absolutely amazing. I mean, like you, you, you could watch these two in a 60-minute Iron Man match and not even blink an eye. I mean, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Would, I mean, it, they're just what do you expect? Two absolute professionals, two guys that have that have complementary styles that have a seemingly an a unlimited gas tank with their code, cardio. Um, and so I would absolutely, you know, have no problem with that. I, I, I think that would work. I just don't think Vince would be sold on it necessarily um, you know when, when you talk about Seth going to Raw you're like oh he's going to face of Raw well we all thought that about Drew McIntyre and he's been seemingly in a program with Baron Corbin for the last eight years so I think that you know <laughs> it, it, you know it, that, that happens and, and it's unfortunate because when you have mega stars like Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar come into the, into the company Vince puts them in the main event instantly and everybody else that's been there for how long busting their ass gets pushed to the sideline or gets put into tag team matches or gets put into battle royal and and, and, and that's again that that's that's a topic that could go on for another forty five minutes too. But like I mean to, to kind of close out the Seth Rollins deal, I think that he's he's in a good place. He's just not in the best place that he could be in at all. And I think yes, part of it is Brock Lesnar and everything is is focused around Brock Lesnar in this unification match. Um, but one last thing I want to ask you before we kind of close things out, and and I've been alluding to this for weeks, and I probably will be proven wrong, but um, that's fine. People people love that I. I still believe that with WWE calling this match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar the biggest WrestleMania match of all time, and I have hated that. I've hated that marketing since day one. I think you and I have com- I- I've complained about it to so many people. I, I I don't remember. So maybe I already complained about it to you. But just it, I think it's stupid. To me, it's something that happens after the fact. You don't tell. You don't WWE doesn't tell me this is the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. The fans decide afterwards, or the fans decide. But nonetheless. I'll go with that. So fine. They're telling us it's the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. That means that it can't just be Roman and Brock again. And okay, Roman wins or Brock wins, and that's it. To me, there has to be something else that happens here. And I've said, well, The Rock comes out at the end, and even after Roman wins, he rock bottoms Roman, and they go off to a year of build between Roman and uh, and and um, and The Rock, and then they culminate. Then next year in L. A. at WrestleMania 39. That that's how I've thought. However, apparently there's been reports from like Dave Meltzer and others that have said, "Oh, The Rock's too busy. He's never he's not going to be there, right? He's he's uh, too busy, you know, doing what he does in the gym, or he's at his his 800th interview for the the movie that he's doing, whatever it is. Uh, so apparently his schedule's too busy to even show up for WrestleMania. I don't know if that's kind of BS or what it is, but anyway, let me ask you quickly: Do you think that there's something beyond? Just Roman and Brock, they'll have a bust-ass match. I I do believe the match will be just fine. But do you think there's something else here? You can't just call it the biggest WrestleMania match of all time and not have something up your sleeve. Am I wrong? I, I want you to be
1: right, and I still do think that that's a big possibility because of the track record we've had with Roman over the last 12 months or so, or maybe 10 or 8, where he defeats Rey Mysterio, then Edge comes out and challenges him. He defeats Edge, Cena comes out and challenges him. He defeats Cena, Lesnar comes out and challenges him. Now it would stand to reason that he would defeat Lesnar and The Rock would come out and challenge him. And then obviously you all have the built-in storyline of them being cousins, head of the table. It's ready-made on a platter for them. That being said... You know, aside from The Rock being super busy with whether it be his pancakes or his Zoa or his movies or his tequila or whatever the hell he's doing now.
0: XFL. I still...
1: (laughs) XFL, like, uh, just what If he's still doing the Titan games, I don't even know. Young Rock, whatever. Mm -hmm. Aside from all that, I could see Vince convincing himself that he could... Swindle it. I don't know if that's the right word, but he could spin this for enough, and I don't want to say narrow minded fans because I don't want to insult anyone, but like swing this in a way that enough casual fans will be like, oh, this is the biggest match of all time. It's the only match to main event to WrestleMania three times, which is a technicality because The Rock and Austin technically didn't go on last at WrestleMania 19, but they did main event, like if we're being honest. Like, I could see it going either way because it's just like I see them loading up for The Rock. I could 100% see that, especially with the way that they've handled Roman over the last 8 to 10 months with all the examples I just listed. But I could also see them just convincing themselves or more specifically Vince convincing himself that they've done enough to actually make people believe. And I don't think that enough people really believe this. I just could see themselves being convinced, like, yeah, we've done enough to convince everyone that this is the biggest match of all time. Like, I think there was a quote from Paul Heyman in the summer or something that he said, Lesnar versus Roman is more like money grabbing than Rock versus Roman. And I was just like, you, like, who are you trying to fool here? And I love Brock. I don't want to get that convoluted in a way. I love Brock Lesnar and I'm happy that they explored this Brock versus Roman thing again with the rules reversed as Brock as the babyface, it just should have been over like three, four months ago. Like, it did not have to drag out this long, certainly not with both belts, but I think that they truly want people to believe that this is this generations of Rock and Austin, this is this generations of Hogan, Andre, like, they are trying to drive it home that this is the, like, this is as big as those rivalries and those WrestleMania matches, but it isn't. It's almost like a fabricated rivalry. We're not so much a fabricated rivalry, but, like, you can't get those guys to the same level as, you know, Rock, Austin, Hogan, whatever. But they're desperately trying to do that. I've even seen like some memes from WWE accounts where it's just like like a graphic of Hogan versus Andre, a graphic of Rock versus Austin, and then a graphic of Brock versus Roman. (laughs) So I know that's what they're trying to do. So in that sense, like I'll pitch it to you. Like, could you not see them just doing uh, Roman versus Brock and then closing out the show?
0: I could. I think the fans will be angry that nothing happens at the very end. I mean, I just, I've learned that over the last, especially six to 12 months, during the pandemic era, especially too, Vince would, with the taglines that he'd put into the, the pay per views, like I remember Extreme Rules, the greatest wrestling match of all time. And he, it was Edge versus Randy Orton. Or SummerSlam, you'll never see it coming. You'll never see it coming meant we're going to turn Roman heel and you're not going to see it coming. I mean, like so. That's true. Yeah, you know, I, I, while that's more, that's not really the rule. I, he did do that a couple of times. So I just feel like there's something that it just can't end with Roman standing there with both belts. Now, if you're gonna ask me which what I want, I, I would, I, w- I want to see Roman get his ass kicked and lose the belt, but I don't want Brock to be the one to do it because I realize the value of the run that he's on, and I don't want it to be a, a, a guy like Brock Lesnar who doesn't need it. So. I'm conflicted in who I want to win, but I think ultimately the right the right decision is Roman Reigns, and if Roman Reigns is the one that wins, and he's standing there just holding both championships up, and they're calling him the – I think they're calling it the WWE Universal uh, – the Undisputed Universal <laughs> Champion. I think that's the actual name that they came up with. That's what Roman said on Raw anyway, or on SmackDown. So uh if that that's it and then the the fireworks go off and he just stands there and they're like the most dominant, we're looking at the most dominant champion in WWE history, and then you know the crowd booze and that's it. I, I think it'll be a disappointment, uh, even if the match is awesome, because there's just that, that feeling of you can't call it this biggest special mania match of all time, and then not have something also major to leave the crowd happy and have a cliffhanger and oh my god, he's back, or this happened, that happened. So to me, there has to be something, but I won't be surprised if it's just Roman standing there, the fireworks, you know, and that that's it, and then we get a recap of the night. Uh, so th- I can absolutely see that happening. I just – I feel like there has to be something bigger, and if it's not The Rock, I don't know what it is, um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know – if, um, if we see Brock Lesnar after this, we, he probably, I think, goes away back to Saskatchewan cutting up meat or whatever the hell he does, uh, <laughs> and in his spare time, you know, skinning sheep. I don't know what the hell he does, but, uh, he's probably, I think, probably gonna go back. He typically takes a few months off and, and hides away in his, uh, 12 foot high fence, fenced in property, whatever it is. And so cool, good for him. And sits on a big fat paycheck. and 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 that's probably what happens but to me i just you you can't call it this and not deliver on something bigger um and if it's not the rock i i really have no idea what it is but um all right well i i do I, i wish we could continue this conversation because there is just so much more to cover with this and with so much other stuff with wrestlemania obviously it's a huge week here but um any any final thoughts that you want to uh that you want to deliver no, just that I I hope to God you're wrong,
1: uh, you're right rather. I really hope you're right. <laughs> Obviously, as a massive Rock fan, I'm not looking forward to the biggest match of all time just being resulted in Roman holding two championships. And actually, quickly, one thing I just want to ask you quickly before we close it out. I've had a friend say to me that he thinks Roman Reigns, in regards to like the Austins and the Rocks and the Hogans of the world. That Roman Reigns is a fabricated star. Do you agree with that?
0: Mm. I wouldn't say – I would say he was a a corporate selection that they tried to push into a babyface role that ultimately flourished in a heel role. I mean he was a fabricated forced babyface star Mm -hmm. at first that ultimately organically became a much better heel. So at first, yeah, they put him in that position when the fans just outright rejected him many, many times as a babyface and all the suffering, attach, all the embarrassing, awful promos and you know the, the very robotic kind of video game-like moves that he had at first. Now, he's improved immeasurably, of course. But to me, yes, at first, and then organically transitioned into the role he should have been from day one. You And again, you you can't, as a whole, say he's a fabricated star – because everybody really is fabricated stars, number one, because the, the company wouldn't push you. I mean, it doesn't happen organically, truly. It happens because the company decides, okay, this person, that person, and let's see how the fans react. If they do, let's keep going. If they don't, let's stop. But also, um, you know, everything, number one, everything's fabricated. But if you truly were just, quote, unquote, fabricated and it wasn't working you wouldn't be in that position like you couldn't hold that position you may stay there for a short time but ultimately it would fall and it would collapse in and of itself um and and one last thing i want to say about the biggest wrestlemania match of all time i think they're saying it because they feel maybe their logic is the more we say it maybe it'll become more true and if we keep saying it people will just eventually just break down and believe it I think maybe that's what it is, where, like, at first people are like, huh? And then they start to slowly get chipped away at their, well, maybe they're saying it so many times, maybe it's true. So, anyway.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with all that. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, looking forward to WrestleMania. I'm looking forward to doing this again next week, and maybe we'll do a little review, although I'm sure you're going to be... Overflowing with WrestleMania <laughs> reviews between now and next
0: week. <laughs> yeah, there, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot, but maybe we definitely, we, we, we should. I mean, it's it's uh, WrestleMania week and then we'll get back to regularly, regularly scheduled programming. But uh, any, anyway, uh, everybody go follow uh, Anthony at adamarco 25 on Twitter. He has a rivalry show that drops every single Friday and I have to go take care of screaming children. So uh, <laughs> thank, thanks so much, buddy. I will talk to you soon.
1: Take it easy, man. Take it easy. <laughs>